You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Mr. Andy Clark. Hi. Andy, you have the most beautiful mustache beard combo. Is that what it yeah. is? It's, it's full on Viking. It's really ginger. It, it, it's really good. That's what it is. Thanks, mate. So <laughs> tell me a little bit about yourself, Andy, and if you want what you do professionally. So I've just turned 40. Um, I've got three kids, uh, three daughters. Uh, I've been married for just over two years now. I run a small business that's it's evolved from just doing roofing maintenance to do we do pest control now uh, for, for a lot of landlords and letting agents over in the UK. So I'm kind of based between Liverpool and Manchester, so in the northwest of England. Um, and I've been scuba diving for about four or five years now, and that's my sort of main passion and hobby outside of work and family life, really. Now, I had an experience with someone who worked in pest control, so I have to elaborate a little bit on that one. When you say pest control, do we mean harvesting organs? Because I know some people consider that pest control. <laughs> no, but I'm sure it's quite lucrative, that, though, isn't it? I would have to think that, like, waking up in a bathtub filled with ice and then just wondering where your kidneys have gone has got to be why a got, crazy why experience. Really bad backache. <laughs> why does my back feel empty? <laughs> That's mad, isn't it? So how exactly did you switch over to like just uh, diving in general? Um, so I've been in the, the Army Reserves for about 15 years now. Um, and five, four or five years ago, I bumped into a guy that I, I had met about 10 years previous. So when I got back from Afghanistan, I was on some training exercise and I met this guy. And because I was a young, cocky lad, he kind of got a grip of me and gave me a bit of a, you know, a bit of a telling off or a bit of a bollocking, as they say over here. Fast forward about five or six years later, I met him again in an office. Um, I progressed up the ranks a few. He was dressed in his civilian kit. So I didn't recognize him. He didn't recognize me. We just got chatting over a cup of tea. And he said, have you ever fancied scuba diving? And I was like, mate, I, do I fancy scuba diving? You know, I love the water whether it be jet skiing, which I'm sure you've got done plenty of from what I've heard. Fucking A, man, too much. I, the worst <laughs> for me is the reason why I probably can't get into scuba diving is the fact of putting on like one of those, um, like a wetsuit. And when it gets wet, I get that's the whole point of like wearing it. But I mean, I've been out in so much of crazy weather. I went out in hurricanes, but like trying to take that fucker off, dude. <laughs> Where I worked was like a 30-minute drive, so I would be sitting in a wetsuit in my car, staining my seats with salt water, and then I would yeah. drive all the way home, and by the time I'd get ready to get in the shower, I'd get it to right to my ankles, and I'd be like, fuck this. It's like trying to take <laughs> off pants when you're extremely tired. You're just like, I'm on to the next thing right now. Did you ever piss in it to keep warm? Yes, it's called, and you got to flush the suit and everything too. <laughs> yeah. I had that happen one time. I drank like two uh, of the 32 ounce Slurpees, the giant ones. And I yeah. went out on the water. And I didn't have to pee until the very end. And I peed and I couldn't get it to flush because yeah. I was wearing like a spring suit that wasn't my size. And I'm not <laughs> a big guy. So, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm pretty fit. So when I was in that thing, the pee actually went all the way up to like where my chest was. So I was getting hit in the face with my own pee, dude. I was like, this is the worst experience ever. Oh, mate. But then when you, when you hang it out on the washing line to dry, it just stinks, doesn't it? It gets like stronger and stronger. The more you piss in it, the worse it becomes. You definitely don't want to wash it in the house. I mean, once nah. you, you want to soak that thing in bleach and then just let it sit for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I met this guy uh, and he, he invited me to go on an expedition over to where he lives in the Canary Islands. So Fort Ventura was the island. And he sort of, he gave us the, the inspiration if we were to train as scuba divers over in the UK before we went on this expedition. So we, we had some form of qualification. We could progress a lot quicker when we got out there. And it was like a, a conservation exercise to learn about one of the most endangered sharks, which is the angel shark which is it's a bit different than most sharks. So everyone would think of the typical Jaws-type looking shark that swims through the, 
the upper water column, so that's known as a pelagic sort of area or shark that swim through there. These are quite happy laying on the bottom and they'll flick the fins and whatnot and the sand will land over, top, over the top of them and it'll camouflage them. So as their prey or, or whatever goes past, they can sort of double back on themselves and, and bite it or whatever. So they're, they're always on the bottom. So we were going to try and get down near them and measure them and sort of take account of the breeding habits because they, they came up to not only lay young, but to breed and find a new mate. Um, so we saw quite a bit of that going on, which was quite interesting to be fair, certainly as new divers. So are you, are you teaching people or are you just trying to more of understand the water, but also show people the beauty in it? Or are you doing more of a conservation type act? So, so I'd only done... Um, probably about 10 dives at this point. So when we'd gone out, we were still learning. So we were being taught, but as well as being taught further along the scuba diving um, syllabus, if you will, we also had a conservation team come in that then taught us what we needed to know about the angel shark. So the habitat, how it was safe to approach them, where you needed to be in the water so they didn't attack you and didn't feel threatened. Because most sharks will let you quite near them. You know, they're just quite shy. It's yeah, only when you invade them and upset them that they... they yeah, I, th I think Jaws and all that, even though they're amazing movies, I think they do kind of play sharks in a bad light. I mean, I went to Florida when I was very little with my dad, and it's the reason why he hadn't stepped into the water for 20-something years was uh, we ignored all these little signs. It was just me and him going for a beach day. We're from Maryland, so we're about a good 12-hour drive from Florida. So we're on to this beach where we don't know anybody. We don't know anything about the area. We don't know anything about the animals. And as we're approaching into the beach, he's got this distinctive memory of me tossing rocks to him while he's in the water. And what he thinks is waves behind him are actually giant sand sharks that are trying to mate on top of each other. So he's no so close to their breeding ground and a lifeguard came up and saw me like yelling and pointing. He said, I think I figured it out. Like, cause I mean, I was only three or something. <laughs> so he said, yeah. I was just laughing and pointing at him. Uh, the lifeguard called my dad in and then told him, he's like, sir, did you read any of these signs? And my dad's like, no, I was just coming to the beach with my son, you know, barely ever get out of the house. So I want to get here as fast as possible. And it's hard to get him situated. The lifeguard's like, if you come over here and look at this sign real quick. And it says sand shark mating season. Do not go into these waters. <laughs> and it has the date. Nice. And my dad's like, what are you talking about? He goes, look back at those waves you, you were uh, out there with. And he looks yeah. back and they're just sand sharks flipping on top of each other. So no way. we moved to a beach town where there's <laughs> water on one side and bay and the bay on the other. So in those 20-something years, he has never stepped foot in the water because of that experience. Really? Oh, what a shame. I flipping love the water. We, we, I'm probably two hours from a good, you know, a worthwhile coast to go to. We could probably get to the coast in about 20, 25 minutes, but there's nothing there to see. You know, the, the sea is more of like the entrance to an estuary, so it's quite murky. There's, you know, there's, it's just sandy and quite dirty of, of a beach, so it's not really worth going to. That's basically where I jet skied for a couple of years. I was doing it in the bay and the bay is not the cleanest. It used to be um, our town used to, the bay used to be a marshland, but then we had a flood happen and um, it actually separated it into an island. So what happened was all, all this thing we call the bay, it's like way steep. Sometimes when it's high tide, it goes up to your head or something, but it's all mud. Like if you take a foot step, like I've lost shoes in there, man. I've, <laughs> I've, I've found Oakley sunglasses. I found really? watches, Rolodexes, iPhones, everything. My boss, um, he used to just throw a boat or a rope behind the boat. And he used to be like, hang on to it. And he would drive super fast. So it would just be tugging me all the way through the bay. No wakeboard nice or anything, just my face and drowning slowly. <laughs> Well, that's what this is like here, and, and that's very much the same. It's quite a sandy, sort of soily bed, but there's a lot of um, like shellfish in there called cockles, and they had a load of Chinese people over a few years ago, and they called them cockle pickers because they'd go, they'd wade out with like rubber boots on when it was low tide, and they'd be picking them, and they all got trapped in the sand, like they couldn't get their feet out because it was kind of like sinking sand, and the tide came in, and they all drowned. There was like hundreds of them. Holy it's shit. Bad. I, know, I thought man. you were going to do like, we had to go save them, but you're like, no, they all drowned. They literally all drowned. <laughs> I think it's um with the, when it comes to the water, there's just a beauty aspect of it that a lot of people love, but there's also a, like a, a part you really got to respect about it. I mean, 
I've probably, you probably have many occasions. I've had an occasion when I was a kid of just, you know, letting the waves take you down. But you know, when you feel that it feels like you're in a washing machine, when the wave hits you and it crashes in, there's a point where it's impossible to get up. Like it's impossible to come back up out of the water for a second. And there's that fear aspect. And I always tell people like, you have to learn to respect what you're in. Like you're, you're basically a guest in the home right now. At any time, this thing can eject you at any moment. I've said that a few times, like you wouldn't go out into the middle of Africa and expect to walk out where there's a pride of lions hanging out under a tree and expect to just be left alone, would you? But if you go in the sea, a lot of people are quite ignorant to the fact that you're in somebody else's habitat, which would be the shark, for instance. And, you know, they, they just start kicking around as though there's, it's absolutely fine. And then they wonder why, they, like your dad, you know, he's in the shark, sand shark's habitat and gets almost attacked by them. So you're right there with the respect level. And every time someone sees like a dolphin, they always have to scream shark. I used to work with this guy <laughs> who um he made a challenge from like the beginning of January. And I think he did it all the way until like October, maybe like a little bit uh, close, closer to November, like towards the middle of it. He would jump every single day into the water right in the morning, every single day, right off his house, like just right, right out the front door, jump right into the awesome. bay because he was right on the water. And um, he was doing it every single day. I was like, dude, you got to take a video and do a time lapse, put it on YouTube. People love to see it. But he's an older guy. He's like, nah, I'm just doing it. Then he comes yeah. in one day and I'm like, dude, it's snowing out. Like, how did the, how did the jump go? And he goes, fuck it. I said, why? He goes, I, dived head first into a dolphin i shit you not no way he dived in and hit a dolphin now that's from his words but i believe him because he's not that type of bullshitting guy but he was like nope and then he has his nose was all like a bent a little bit and had a giant scar on his nose he's like i've jumped in and i've landed on saws i've landed on you know like sharp objects but never a fucking dolphin i was so scared i swam out of the water he tells me this story i'm like no freaking way wow we, uh, we went to the Red Sea a couple of years ago, you know, so we Egypt and we went on this, there's a reef called Dolphin House Reef. So there's a, a, like a family or a pod or school or whatever they call them of dolphins that just swim around this reef. But it's so commercial now that the dive boats that go out just literally herd these, these dolphins around. It's, it's terrible to say we've done it now because they'll drop you in front of the dolphins that are frightened, you know, for that. they've got young calves with them and that. So you jump in almost on top of them and they're panicking, but then the next boat's sort of piggybacking, you know, around and they're just chasing these dolphins around all day. It's such a shame, you know, although they're in the natural habitat, it's not nice really, you know, to be seeing them like that. What would you say the biggest problem is that you face? I feel like it has to be tourism. Like I have a few stories of just like going to Hawaii and I think their main thing is like they try and tell the tourists, don't stand on the coral because you're killing it when you do that. And I started to notice after, you know, going there a few years ago to going there, you know, later, like down the road, like five years later or something, the fish were all kind of gone. The coral was mostly dead just from years of tourism. Well, did you know that the coral reefs emit more oxygen than the um, the rainforest in like South Af- South America. Yeah, water emits oxygen way more than trees do. Like people That's say, crazy, oh, you can't you can't kill the trees. We wouldn't be able to breathe. I'm like, have you been to the ocean? Like when <laughs> I open up my front door, I'm getting hit with a whiff of salt water every single morning, and it is fucking amazing. Yeah, lucky that. Well, I'd say yes, tourism because the world's becoming easier to get around, isn't it? Now you know it's travels cheaper so people can cut around the world and, and go and see different things so the, and the population's growing so that's probably the big thing but equally i think we're, we're getting more and more aware of conservation now so all the the activists against shark finning um you know because i don't know why china wants all these fins for soups you know there must be a better soup out there you know a clam chowder must be better than shark fin soup i'm reckoning but anything to make a buck dude i mean if you offer yeah. me I guess shark soup. I'd have to try it. I always joked about like I eat everything out of the sea. I haven't came across one thing I don't like, and I mean that probably goes down to a shark's butthole. I have to say, <laughs> you got to try, aren't you? You never know. Yeah, you never know if you might like it. I mean, I didn't know what calamari was until I bit into it. And I was like, wait a minute, this is squid, and they're like, yeah, you've never had calamari. I was like, no, but this is delicious. I thought they were onion rings when I first saw them. In the that's shop. what I'm saying. That's some that's some deceptive David Copperfield shit, dude. <laughs> I mean, I was like well, in then, my 20s when I figured out that Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson weren't the same person. 
they always Irie's just assinuated MJ. So I was like, oh, wait a minute. Must be the same bloke. Well, there's, there's a lot, lot to be said about how the tourism of the world has improved. Stuff like the reefs and that. I watched the film. I interviewed him for my podcast. His, his name's David Diley. And he's from Manchester. He lives near me, but he's a director and he, of shark films. Uh, and he'd been out to Fiji to dive with bull sharks, which are known to be the most aggressive shark. Most people think it's the white, uh, great white shark because of you know the film Jaws, but it's actually the bull shark. So he went out there on this, this reef that's called Shark Reef. And 10 years ago, let's say, it was completely dead. You know, there was not a, not a thing on it. You know, it was really just dead. No color, no fish. And due to the introduction of people going out to visit these sharks and feeding them and improving the habitat for them, this, the, this, this reef has come back to life. It's, it's almost, it's, it's just brand new. It's almost like anywhere else in the world. And that's in the middle of Fiji. So in turn, because more people are going out to dive those reefs in Fiji and there's bigger and more sharks there, the Fijians that would normally come and perhaps join the British Army or whatever, which a lot of them do, or they come over to play rugby, they are now, they've got a, a new income stream. So they're now, you know, the youngest or, the, you know, one of the sons will go out and work on the shark reef or whatever on the dive boats. And he can now supplement the income of the household. So all the rest of the kids are going to school. The mums and dads can retire earlier and have a better life. You know, so there's a lot to be said about tourism, whether it's good or bad. I mean, obviously, the carbon footprint we leave through using all the different planes and modes of transport have a negative impact. But then the money we bring into these smaller little islands has a positive one, doesn't it? So there's a lot to be said, really. I understand the tourism aspect, mostly because I'm in a beach town. So we get everybody coming here to party. Like right now, we're having insane riots going on just because we're having people from other cities, like main giant cities coming to our small town, doing what they would do where they live over here. And our cops just aren't ready for it. Nobody's ready for it. And, you know, everybody's picking up trash. We have signs, please leave only your footprints. I've never really thought of it in a good way of maybe like at least for when it comes to reef sustainability, when it comes to tourism actually helping that, I mean, that's a good point that you brought up just because I think we're really, really focused on trying to save the earth. But the weird thing is we don't really want to know too much about it when it comes down to we're exploring space and trying to find another home or another source of our whatever for our misfits, I would say actions when it comes to surviving. But I'm like, we still have 70 something percent of the ocean we haven't even discovered like there's parts of it like there's a documentary that came out on netflix i don't know if you've seen it called dino fish no not seen that okay well it's a fish called the relicanth or relink i, I forgot it starts with an r you have to google that okay. one i can't i don't even think i could pronounce it if you know <laughs> i didn't just wake up but yeah. um when it comes to like this fish, they thought it had been extinct for like 600 million years. And the only reason that they found out that it exists was some guy was at a fish market um, near, I think, the Somalian Islands. or And one yeah. of the, the, what they have down there is called the Somalian Pirates, which are known as the volunteer firefighters of Somalia because they used to be firefighters. But what happened was people, the government started coming in and taking all their fishing jobs. So they actually turned into this renegade force that would actually destroy ships and it brings up that movie with uh, Tom Hanks where he goes, I am the captain now. Those are all, those were normal people that had to force to live that way because they couldn't survive off of doing their basic things because another country came over and took it over. So when they're throwing dynamite into this water, they actually blew up where this fish that everyone thought was extinct lived. And one of them floated to the surface and started selling it on the market. And a scientist walked by and was like, holy shit, that thing's supposed to be extinct. So, you know, they brought it back to life and found out there's this whole thing that was just under in the deep part of the ocean because time moves slower down there yeah so how crazy is fate because if he hadn't have been there at that time or they hadn't thrown that dynamite in at that particular second that might never have have, have come out you know come to birth you would never know I mean, you got to think how many times had they thrown dynamite and that second been missed. And finally they get it that one time. Like there's these mysteries and things of the ocean that we don't understand yet. That's why I'm so like, just take your beer cans, take anything. When I worked in the water, I came across so much trash, so many bags of chips. I would just pick it up, put it right into my hatch on my jet ski. When I got back to the dock, I'd throw it away. And I think it's because we only know like 
we always think in the mindset of if we throw a can, if we throw this, it's just one, it's not going to affect anything. And it's like, yeah, but that one and everybody else thinking like that, that's a million something cans. Yeah. Do you guys over there have a problem with those little cylinders full of nitrous oxide and, and kids breathing them through balloons? We used to do that a long time ago. You sound like you're a couple of years uh, behind us there on that one. I think we are. It was probably, let's say, two summers ago was the first time I come across them. But now they just seem to be littered everywhere. It, it could be on the street, could be at the petrol station, certainly on beaches and, and sort of like beauty, you know, known beauty spots where people are going hang out. And ah, see, it's I got to fight. Isn't it? I got to fight this from two sides because I was a kid once, and then what I did was I would take whipped cream, the can of it, shake it, and then hold it like this, and then do it like that. So I would get that, and then people are like, "Why can't I use the whipped cream? Because it's no fucking <laughs> nitrous." No in it. <laughs> but I mean, I think it's a point. Like, I guess you're just shooting and cutting off circulation to the brain to get high. So I understand why people are doing it because I mean, you're basically almost dying. So if that's what you want to do, go for it. But I'm like. I look at it like when it comes to having fun, obviously you're going to have the kids. They're going to want to do as much as they possibly can, as fast as they possibly can. It's not good that they're doing drugs like that, but I'm like, there's a better way to have fun a more sustainable fun and also learning a little bit more, which is why I'm so into con like just conservation. First of all, taking walks down into museums in general or going somewhere I've never gone before and learning as much as I possibly can about the area. I mean, my cousins live in Hawaii. I am, on the whole other side of the country from them. So when I go over there to visit, I'm like, take me to all the spots you a local would never know. All these hidden gems, all these secret areas, all these underwater caves and shit. Because I want to be scared because it's new. I want to see an eel almost bite my dick off. But at the same time, I don't want it to happen. But I want to have that experience. I want to have these memories that I have imprinted into my head, much like your own. You probably have so many countless ocean uh, stories in general or dive stories in general that every every day you wake up, you probably think of them. I, just, I think I look at my kids now because my, my eldest is a year younger than you. Are you still 22 now? Yes. So she's a year younger than you. Then the next one's 20. She's at, at, you call it college, we call it university. And then the other one's just finished high school. And I think, although they're all girls, so it's slightly different for most girls, I'd say. You know, they don't have the same outlook on life as, as, as someone maybe 10 years older than them. And they do say that youth is wasted on the young because you sometimes either you're missing that direction or that inspiration. Whereas... They wouldn't think twice about going to a museum or if, even if they went to Hawaii, they just want to sit on the beach and, and drink pina coladas or whatever it would be. You know, they don't want to go and explore and go and learn. I find it such a strange thing to not have that inquisitive nature to go and find out more about what's going on. Depending on, I guess, the person. For me, for instance, I live in a beach town. So when someone's like, oh, we're going to the beach, I'm like, I have done that every fucking day like I, it's not not new to me i want to do change of scenery i honestly want to move into the mountains somewhere but same thing with your kids probably diving and all that's not so hip to them only because they're so used to you doing it or they're so already around it but for someone else it's different but how do you try and make it different how do you try and get people interested in doing something at least diving with you rather than diving with a random person me how would i well my youngest, so she was, she's 16 now. So let's say three or four years ago when I first started, as with whatever diving agency you learn with, they do it like a try dive, you know, so they'll take you to a swimming pool, throw all the gear on your back and just let you just potter around for half an hour. So for, as like a bit of a birthday present, she was quite interested then. So we took her down and she was, but, and then she got out of the pool and we, and just remembered she's a 13 year old girl. And then wanted to go back to putting a makeup on and sitting in front of the camera, pouting like that, for Instagram. So I'd, unless I had a son, I'd probably struggle to inspire young girls unless they showed it. You know, you just got to give that little chink of, of interest and then you can inspire someone, I think, or just inspire them by being happy in what you do. And then maybe that's infectious to other people. I don't know. I wish, I feel like you would probably lose a lot of customers doing this, but also you would find the people that are truly interested in it. If you told them no phones on the boat, 
like if you do that, because I found so many people, I used to do this thing called the jet evader, not just jet skis, which is basically it's a bike that comes out of the water. So I have a jet ski that powers it and you fly up into the air. So people would do like a hoverboard, like Marty McFly style and fly up out of the water. Everybody was just doing it just to get a picture. Dude, bro, I just want to get on it for a second. Let me take a picture. Let me take a picture. It's like, you just want to show everybody a false perception of you. I was like, this is exactly when you see like an ocean documentary. You see like, it's clean. And then like, you see another documentary like this is twice island and all the penguins are covered in soda <laughs> wings and you're like oh my god like what is happening yeah. it's like everybody's showing their own side of it i'm like how hard is it to sift through all that i mean like i feel so bad for the future generations coming up only because like for me i'm pretty hard to contact in a dm um mostly you probably know from just talking to me back and forth it's more like i'll answer but then it's a quick quick messages and it's only because yeah when you spend too much time on your phone, you're losing so many valuable moments. Um, I yeah. know it's a great way of connecting and setting things up, but like we're on our phones 24 seven and it's a really bad habit to get into. And I'm like, you're missing everything. When you go to the beach, you'll see more people taking Instagram selfies and actually enjoying the water. Like when you see them at concerts though, you're watching their favorite band or favorite artist, whatever. Every one of them has got the phones up recording it or, or worse, you've got an iPad. Flipping big tablet. Who's the fucking guy bringing an iPad to the game? I don't know. They need to sort the life out, don't they? That's horrendous. Every time I've been to a concert, I've gotten beer spilled on me, so I tend not (laughs) to bring any electronics. Long gone are the days when you used to have a a lighter when when the slower moody track come on. You know, you get your lighter's hair on fire in front of you. Yeah, yeah. But I've tried that. We went to um, my auntie uncle's a couple of years ago for like Sunday dinner or something like that. And I said to my kids, I said, do me a favor, just this once leave your phones in the car before we get get in or turn them off. Anyway, we just finished eating and my, my second daughter's like, I actually got a phone out. I'm like, what are you doing? Can you not can you not just spend an hour and a half not talking to your boyfriend? Oh, it's, it's an emergency. Yeah, okay. The fuck is an emergency at 15 or you know 16 years old? Yeah, nightmare. Do you think more people are going to be interested in just learning more about the water? I feel like since museums, um, I'm a big fan of them just because the experience you have. Plus, when you're a kid, that's all you want to do is go on a field trip. I probably went on four in all of my like 15 years of school, which really pissed me off because they were like the funnest, but I always got in trouble. Like um, I went to the aquarium, which is interesting, where I actually got super interested in just the sea creatures there. I mean, sea turtles, all these types of things. But learning about the sharks, you'd see the funny ones with the huge giant teeth that don't fit in their mouth. So I would always sit there and like, you know, you know, mess with tap on the glass. I was an idiot. Don't make fun of me. But um, I remember a good experience was we had the disposable cameras before the iPhones. So you had to sit there and you had to film. And we're on the last one. There's one left. So all of us as a group wanted to do a photo in front of one of this giant shark tank, the ending shark, basically the last attraction that everyone wanted to take a picture of. So I'm like, all right, everybody going for a picture. And as one dude was taking a picture for us, he went to take a picture. He's a buddy of mine. And it wouldn't go. And I'm like, what? It's not going. So we're sitting there for a minute fidgeting with the camera. And he's like, no, it won't go. And he grabbed it and slammed it on a rock and it took a photo. So we have this photo of us and it's all of us like, no, like don't break it. And it's him slamming it sideways on a rock. So it's all tilted. But it's like, it's so funny to have those experiences and you get to learn so much. Like I remember so much of what they told us on that trip. They had a 4D simulator where like you get to watch everything in the ocean go on screen and then you get hit with water. You get hit with like the seats move and everything. I'm like, that's a fun way of teaching people things and getting them interested in something like this. Yeah, we went to, we did Florida in 2013, you know, everything was there, Bush Gardens, Disney World, all the rest of it, and SeaWorld, and didn't realize just how brainwashed we were going there until about two or three years ago when I watched that film, Blackfish. Have you seen that? I have to watch that. Oh, mate, it's horrific. Watched it again the other night because my wife hadn't, and it's, it just opens your world. I mean, I think the world's moved on a lot since then, you know, where the whales like pulling the, the trainers in and all the rest of it. I don't blame it though. It must be so pissed off because it wasn't, a, it wasn't even a couple of months old, um, Tilikum, when it was up, I think it was up near Iceland. They snatched it away from its mum, which they live all their life with the parents, you know, in these close knit family groups. And then it, it put it in like the smallest enclosure at night with these two other females and it was battered, it was getting battered by them. Then it moved to SeaWorld and it just it went nuts. You know, so it was just eating anything it could and kicking off all the time. 
I'll look, look back at this thing we have as cancel culture where everybody's like looking back at old movies and canceling. I'm like, when the fuck are we going to cancel Free Willy? Because that was a, if you really look down to the basis of that story, it starts off good, like the first one. But then the second one was like, all right, this fucking kid's like finding hurt animals. I'm starting to think he's actually hurting them. And it's like, it's the same thing. I don't really like SeaWorld. I don't like any of those um, places that put animals in that. I mean, I get why they're needed or why enjoyment and education of it too, but it's like, it really sucks because anything that's getting trapped inside of a tank and not really being able to move around and then you expect it not to bite your leg off. Like what the yeah. fuck? Like you think how many times you're going to stand on its face and get him to do the <laughs> same trick over and over yeah. again until he's like, all right, this is my leg now. Well, that's it. And, and the, they can't escape each other, can they? There's not enough room. Like normally, they have thousands and thousands, millions or whatever of square miles to just go. We don't get on. Let's move, move away. It's and now they can't. Like if I shoved you in a room with Mike Tyson, that was like the size of a closet, and then just let you guys live in there for a week. Somebody's punching somebody. Like it's just going to happen. Nobody's able to leave. It's just locked in. Somebody's kidneys are getting taken out, Andy. That's what's <laughs> happening. Pest control, come on. <laughs> so if I had to ask you, what is probably your most memorable experience diving? What would it be? Um, should be one of two shark encounters. So last summer, we were in the Red Sea again. Um, there's, there's an island or two islands called the Brothers. Uh, and the year before, there'd been a shark attack. Now, it's well documented that it was more likely to be the fault of the diver because he hadn't paid attention to the briefing before you get in. Now these, the white tip oceanic or oceanic white tip sharks, they sort of, they'll cut around in the sort of top five, six meters of water. So we're instructed to stay below that. So they just move along really slow, looking for prey. And then they may circle around a while before they, they go in for the kill, if you know what I mean. If we stay below that and stay really methodical and slow, so not kicking around with your fins, and a lot of people wear brightly coloured fins, so they stand out quite well, then you're reasonably safe. But the video show of footage where this guy gets his leg bitten shows that he's up right next to the shark trying to get a video with his GoPro or whatever. And as the shark comes near, he starts kicking his fins and getting quite nervous and anxious, as you would. And the shark goes for him. Um, so they closed down diving around that area. Now, I think there was, there was talk of the big, they've been throwing chum in, you know, to try and bring in the sharks, which isn't needed. So they, they changed the rules. They closed the islands for a couple of uh, months so people couldn't dive them. I think it was almost about eight months. And they stopped this throwing chum in. So we, anyway, we dived it last September and we, we encountered quite a few and a, a great big manta ray, which uh, as big as this room, you know, they're massive. So just to watch you just, you know, they're like a torpedo, and you know that they could kill you like that if they wanted. And it was just really slowly just cruising past us. And it, you could see it kind of just didn't care. You know, it was really just minding its own business. So that was probably number one. But then number two would be in January this year, we dived off the Canary Islands um, in a, on an island called Lanzarote. Again, with the angel sharks I talked about earlier. And I got as close as my laptop screen is to me, nose to nose with this other shark. So it's laid on the bottom, waiting for a male to come and sort of breathe with it. And I got my camera and housing right up, you know, within about a foot of it and just laid there for about 10 minutes, just taking pictures and it didn't mind. But it's the closest I've ever seen inside a shark's mouth. You know, it opened up its mouth a little bit. And it was just amazing to be near such a big animal in the water. Did a male shark come by at one point? No, but my mate did. He got over the back of it and he started tickling. Near you made shark his... porn, Andy. You yeah, made mate. shark porn. That's <laughs> fucking awesome. So it lifts its tail up and uh, sharks have these things called, um, what are they called? Are they... Um... Oh, come on, think of the word. It begins with C-L. Um... Well, whatever they are, they're, they're almost like two penises, one on either side. So the shark had lifted its Clavicles. tail up and it cut, not far off, but they, they, yeah, collarbones, don't they? What are they call now? Clingers or something like that. It'll piss me off because I'll remember in 10 minutes. We get off this. I'll walk downstairs and I'll go, that's what it was called. Dude, it happens yeah, I'm gonna, to me. Shall I Google day. it now? What is a shark penis called? Yes, that I'll is, Google it right I now. I can't wait for your browsing history to start showing things that are related to, <laughs> to shark penises. Sharks, penises. And then 
And then when this goes out, we're talking about shark porn. Shark porn. Who, who watches shark porn? You film it. That's different. <laughs> it's called a clasper. A clasper. That sounds right. Sounds yeah. like coat hanger. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, he came up behind it and so started sort of faffing around its tail and its tail lift up. So we got a great shot of its tail sort of ready to be breeded with. Is that, is that the right term? Bread? Breeded with? Bread. Let's get on to the subject of soda bread. <laughs> I think the most memorable thing for me when it comes to not only, uh, I guess, a shark experience, I did encounter a hammerhead, which was, it was pretty eye-opening to show you just like, holy shit, this is like, this creature is insane. Is this when you're on the jet ski? Yeah. That's good. Oh Listen, I like that. You like it when I'm listening to. Thank you so much for <laughs> validating me. Um, but <laughs> I went to Baltimore and there's this aquarium and it was a shark museum. So when I went there, I think what really opened up my eyes was the fact when they showed you what a shark sees um, a surfer. And it was them looking up at a surfboard and a person on it with your arms and legs out. And what their perception of it was, it looked a lot like a seal. I was like, that's definitely if something, you know, you're swimming in water and you see that and that's your food source, you're going to bite into it. Then you realize it's not a person. The only problem is when you bite into a person, usually it's not a small bite and your leg is basically gone. So then you're just in the middle of the water like, well, fuck, I have to go home with one leg right now and I don't know if I'm going to survive. No. Well, that the, the gentleman I talked about before, that David Diley, who, who did the, the documentary film in Fiji. You know, the reef came back to life with the bull shark. He also did a couple on YouTube, a couple of videos, where he'd gone um, on the sort of east coast, sort of Queensland of Australia, in Australia. And he was talking on one of them about, um, I don't know whether they were bull sharks, or, it might be tiger sharks, I can't remember. But there was a girl that got attacked on this beach. She was only swimming, and three of them came and attacked her, like literally ripped her to shreds. There was nothing left of her. And then the following day, he got in the water and dived it. You just wouldn't, would you? How crazy is that? I mean, was he searching for like any evidence of her <laughs> any bits? Left? Yeah, any like tiny piece? No, well, he, he was—he is, like I said, a, a sort of shark enthusiast, documentary filmmaker of sharks. So he, his his whole thing was—he's fascinated by shark attacks and why they happen and what happens with them, and. Um, you know, there was right, you know, proper reasoning for him to get in the water. Um, and it was obviously deemed more safe to him. But these beaches in like certainly Australia, you know, they are the sort of location of them, they're right next to estuaries or rivers coming into the sea, which are prime shark habitat. So a lot of the waste that's getting washed in might be dead fish or whatever from the estuary in, you know, into the sea. So they'll go in picking off these scraps. And obviously, if that's where people are surfing and they're mistaking surfers for seals which is their food source then sooner or later they're gonna clash aren't they you know it's crazy is that like we've glossed over everything but exactly what do you try and encounter like are you you're not teaching diving you're kind of more of a shark enthusiast but you're also more of like you talk about interviews with scuba divers so your YouTube channel is the main thing I kind of want to ask about because I think that's an important thing to highlight too because it seems like you're trying to get as much experience and stories to kind of educate the people in a way, which I think is really, really important than just what like somebody's going to listen to be like, oh, it's a scuba diver. It's like, you're not just a scuba diver though. You're also kind of a conservationist mixed with a documentarist when it comes to creating content to kind of show people a more open sea like fish are friends not food type scenario yeah that's what well, fucking I, nemo <laughs> that's brilliant well i interviewed um because i also do a podcast as well but it's more i i concentrate on the youtube and, and that's sort of like a secondary thing but i interviewed a guy for my podcast a couple of weeks ago that also goes out on my youtube channel that is a big shark conservationist and he said I'd be more afraid of a shark, of a world without sharks than a sea with sharks. That's a good point. Figure what sharks eat that we don't really come in contact with. And there's a reason why, because the sharks are eating them. Yeah. So, well, there's that to take into account, but just through lack of opportunity, obviously with the way the whole world's been locked down for the last few months, you know, I was supposed to be in Croatia last week doing a, another expedition that was to document sort of some wrecks from World War II. I'm supposed to be coming out to Mexico in December. You know, I'm going basking shark 
research trip in September. All these may or may not happen. So whilst we've had this lockdown period, I've sort of developed what I do on YouTube as more little instructional techniques and practices, little things that I've learned, you know, from some of the really good sort of world-class instructors that I've had, just to try and pass that knowledge on. Because I think it's not my knowledge really to keep hold of. If, if I learn something from you today, when I go downstairs later and have dinner with my wife, I might explain what we've just had a conversation to, uh, about to her, and then she learns something, and vice versa. You might do the same when you get off, you know, might be chatting to whoever. So I think it's always good to pass knowledge on that you've learned, whether it be about conservation or it be just about collecting litter from beaches or even outside your own house. So I kind of developed more of a tutorial aspect or playlist, that's probably a better term, isn't it? on my YouTube channel with a view to when we do get chance to go away on expeditions or dive trips to try and explain or show not only how fun diving can be, what kind of a release it will give you. So from the, you know, it's, it's quite mentally and physically and certain, certainly financially, it's quite draining. You know, if it's timing, you've got to get up early quite a lot to get, you know, to a dive site to, to meet the right tide if you're diving at sea. Um, or to beat the queues, or beat the traffic on the roads. The, the gear is just, like the kit and equipment is so expensive. Um, so I kind of want to document that in some respects, just to show people how fun it actually is. You know, you don't, you can hire kit, you can learn quite easily and quickly, and not too expensively. So I want more people to be involved in this sport because I love it. And the more people that are involved in it, the chances are I've got more people to dive with. First of all, I'm going to pull one thing away from this podcast. It's prime importance. It's going to be telling everybody is that Andy has filmed shark porn. That's just going to happen. <laughs> no. But when we talk about the experience and more of the draining aspect of how hard it is, that is very true. Now, I have not been scuba diving, mostly because the giant oxygen tanks on your back. I had a fear when I was a kid that they would explode like the movie Jaws when the oxygen tank hit the shark's mouth. I was like, I'm good. I don't want that ever happening to me just being dust. But um more of like i went uh snorkeling and eventually we just took off the snorkel and had the goggles on but we'd hold our breath for like a minute or so and we would just go and see all these amazing fish and even though it was a long ass haul going all the way from the hotel to the beach then going from the beach all the way into the water and swimming out like a good man a good ass distance in hawaii because all that coral that's up front we wanted to go where there was nobody it was a long, maybe couple hours trying to set up and do all that. But once we got out there and we finally got to see all these amazing little fish, these angel fish, I mean, I saw the state fish of Hawaii. It was such an experience that I still remember. I mean, on the plane ride home, I was like just closing my eyes and thinking all about it. Like this is stuff you would see in a movie. And I see why people love and want to experience something like that. But when it comes to draining, I mean, you're using muscles you've never used before. Yeah, you're in the water, but you're also carrying heavy-ass equipment. There's a lot of precautions you have to worry about, making sure you don't get the bends if you dive down too far. Um, but it's, I mean, it's all about the amazing experience that not only with the people that you're with, but also creating something memorable that you're going to take all the way into your grave. I mean, you're looking down there at World War II ships you're talking about, like that you're missing out on. But at the same time, it's the fact of imagine coming across a fucking piece of history underwater that nobody's ever found before. I mean, there was, I think a few years ago, there was a ship uh, that they found that was carrying a bunch of uh, Spanish gold on it. Imagine being that guy and having that fuck me moment. Like, holy crap, that is a fucking, that's a Spaniard ship with a bunch of gold in it. And there's a shark Amazing. guarding the door. You're going to take out a buck knife and chase <laughs> after that shark. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's, um, I read a book called The Deep Descent um, a couple of months ago. And it was about a shipwreck called the Andrea Doria. It's just off the sort of New York, New Jersey coastline. It probably takes... You know, back back in the 60s, 70s, when it was the boot was sort of based, when you first found it, it was taking them like a day to get out, you know, and they'd, they'd sail out in all sorts of weathers. And they were spending thousands on different breathing gases to get down to these depths, which which are, are still quite deep to just be breathing normal breathing air that we're, you know, that you and I are sucking in now. But they were going down just to bring up like China cups, you know, that are on the, in the cafeteria of this, this, shipwreck that was down it was like an italian shipping liner that had gone down and uh, loads of people had died in it and all the rest of it but they were risking their lives and people were dying like left right and center 
you know, every dive, someone would die on it just to go around, you know, come bring up a, a cup and saucer and a couple of plates. I mean, I could understand a big bucket of gold, like you were saying then, but just a load of china, it seems a lot to risk your life for, doesn't it? Can you imagine that if every dive somebody died, it didn't come back? Like you're just one less person on the boat ride home. Well, better than that. So they bring them up, put them in a body bag, and throw them in the cabin, and then go diving again. You know, he's, he's dead. What the There's fuck nothing... is this? Disney World? <laughs> Disney World does some <laughs> twisted shit like that. Nobody ever dies in the park. What they do is they pronounce you dead outside the park to keep that title clean. Gal, really? That's fucking nuts, right? Yeah. Uncle Jerry just lost his head on the Tilt-A-Whirl, but they got to wheel his ass outside and pronounce him dead. Hey, what's freaky, though? I dived um, it was a, it was like a, like a ferry that shouldn't really been ocean-going, and it, it traveled, I think it was from somewhere in Egypt, over to sort of Saudi Arabia. You know how they do the, um, it's about this time of year that the Muslims do the sort of pilgrimage to Mecca and Medina. I think they call it the Hajj. And it was full of men, women, and children, this this car ferry. So it should have just had like 100 cars on it and a couple of hundred people. And it had like thousands of people on. So on the way back, they'd, um, they were running short of time. Now, no sea captain ever wants to be late on his boat because, you know, there's loads of financial penalties and he, he gets a bad reputation for being late. So as you're coming into Haggadah, I think it is, there's loads of reef systems that they're only in a few meters of water. And obviously a couple of canals that you can sort of follow in deeper water to get in, but it was dark and it was bad visibility and he's crashed anyway. So it's tipped on its side and every man, woman and child gone down with it. I dived that last year on my own. And as you're swimming through the cargo bay, you know where all the cars would park? Yeah. There's all these like blankets like bundled up, you know, with all the possessions all just laid on the, on the, the sort of deck where all these people would have just been laid out sleeping, you know, during the night as they were, as they were coming home. And there was like a, you know, like a, like a, um, maybe a six month old baby's trainer, you know, like a, sh- a shoe. Yeah. It was just on the bottom there. And it was so sort of. Eerie. Sc- not eerie. That's the one. Yeah. It wasn't scurry, but you're thinking I am where lots and lots of people died. Dude. This exact spot. That's got How crazy the, is that? The gravity of the situation, man. Dude, that's always, that's the one thing I thought about when I saw the movie Titanic, when I saw it going down. I was like, imagine being a scuba diver that gets to come across that experience yeah. right there. I mean, it's got to be hard, but all the people that didn't make it out, I mean, imagine you're on a fucking boat, but this isn't with Leonardo DiCaprio. So <laughs> even if you die, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to impact pretty well. But you're literally going down with the ship. People couldn't get out of their rooms. People couldn't, you know, we're stuck. There was probably some dude taking a shit that's like, it's going to have to wait till I'm done. It's going to have to wait till I'm done. I haven't wiped. I haven't done a damn thing. It's like, but the boat is going down. It's like, it's going to help. Run run and try and snap it off. It's going to help angle the shit out. It's all like, it's going upside down, capsizing. But just those experiences, like I would love to take a deep dive somewhere. And I know, I think the main thing is I'd probably be scared. Like, you know, when you're, walking in your house and it's dark and you're shutting off all the lights behind you. You're kind of like creeping forward because yeah. you think something's going to grab you. That's got to be what it's got to be like when you're diving down deep and you just, it's kind of more darkness around there. But I feel like we should spend more time on trying to understand a little bit more about the ocean. I mean, cryptozoology, the reason why that's still even a thing is because we have like 6.4, I think million creatures left undiscovered in water and then 2.7 something left undiscovered on land. Like, we don't know what exists. We don't know what doesn't exist. We still have to figure this place out. I think what interests me the most about the ocean um, was I was talking to a mycologist, which is the study of mushrooms and kind of fungus, tech, um, I guess, species in general. Um, and I was wondering if there was a way that if we can adapt mushrooms to or fungus to eat plastic, is there a way that we can use it to also eliminate some of the oils that be, that have been spilled into the ocean? I mean, I think that's a giant thing. I think there needs to be major efforts and also preserving of what this earth we have. Not only I'm not an environmentalist or anything, but on the aspect of like, you want future generations to get interested in this. But sadly, it seems like a lot of generations, kids my age, aren't really interested in scuba diving. They're more interested in bucket list items like, all right, I got all my equipment on. Selfie. Bam. Okay. Well, we're not going scuba diving. I just did this all for the photo. I'm like, you sick son of a bitch. That is the Instagram sort of 
generation, isn't it? Now, yeah. see how many likes you can get per photograph, and if it's not good enough, just bury your chest a little bit, isn't it? And or show a beer. For some reason, a beer is like the definition oh, of right. I party out. I'm like, who gives a shit if you're you're drinking a Coors? That's poor. That's poor people beer. <laughs> I need to get a beer then, don't I? Next time I'm on the on the Insta. Yeah, you just have to keep showing it off every five minutes. You get like a hundred <laughs> likes quick. Either that oh, or show God. your tits. I'm telling you. You show your tits. We're coming on. Like this. <laughs> coming on now. I've been sat at home for three months doing nothing. But like, what do you think about the whole aspect of like, do you think people are going to be more interested in trying to do stuff like this? Because I feel like if more people came across your YouTube channel, I mean, I don't want to keep kind of giving you glory for it. But at the same time, I think it's important because you're showing people, I mean, it's stuff that should be shown in the education system for sure. At least stuff, even if it's obviously not PG or PG-13, if it's a hazarded or language or whatever, I think it's fine. But I think it's because our education system teaches such a cut and dry fucking way of teaching most of the time that I'm like nobody's going to be interested in looking up any more about this shit when I got out of high school when I got out of college I did all my fun research and Netflix is very good right now with their documentaries when it comes to conspiracy theories the Epstein killings all this type of stuff this is all fucking amazing stuff that I wish they showed in schools because that would be kids like no freaking way they suicided him. And like that type of shit, instead of teaching me about like, this is Moby and Moby's going to put water in this. I'm like, Bill Nye had it right. And then when he eventually made his show when he was older, he was like, he lit a globe on fire in front of you. And you're like, it's Bill Nye. And he's like, hey guys, I taught you when you're kids. Now you're adults. Wake the fuck up. And everyone's like, <laughs> Bill Nye just said the F word. Bill Nye just said the F word. And they're going back and forth. I'm like, that's what we need. We need people that can do that type of shit. Make a, I guess, learning a fun experience. And also getting to be able to like, I mean, you're probably, what's your favorite part about doing the videos? Would you say it would be interviewing people? Yeah, definitely. Because you, you, I think you learn a lot. And, and it opens up your sort of horizons, you know, to, to things you would never have thought about. You know, now... I didn't, firstly, I didn't know bull sharks were the most aggressive. But secondly, I didn't realize that just because they're aggressive, they're only aggressive if, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. So if you learn about their behavior and how you need to behave near them, you can get in the water with them. So we're now looking at the next trip that we can do, not necessarily with bull sharks, but some sharks. So, like I said, like certainly the biggest one near the sort of UK is the basking sharks. It's the one with the mouth open all the time. Yeah. And it just takes in, you know, the sort of crap that's floating in the water. But they are big. You know, they're, they're really, really big. So we're going doing like a, a little expedition, a week's long um, scientific research. I'll use that loosely termed because we're going doing some tagging, taking just, some water samples. Just put a magnifying glass in your pocket. It counts as a research. <laughs> but I agree with you. I, I, like I said before, I listened to a few of your podcasts. And you were talking to um, the Belgian... Um, the sourdough guy. The sourdough guy, yeah. His and you were Carl. talking about Carl. So you, were, you were talking about how school, when you were doing like your food technology or whatever you want to call it now, classes. I remember my first one, we made a hot chocolate and we learned to make a piece of toast. But then from then on, it was all about baking and, and making cakes, which is no practical skill for just normal person. I am 22 years old and I still don't know how to use my oven downstairs because when I was yeah. a little kid, my brother would fuck with me and I would open it up and you'd feel the heat hit you. And he'd be like, I'm yeah. going to put you in there. But he would actually start <laughs> getting physical with it. I'm like, oh my. And so I just stayed away from it. So I mean, microwave shit all my life. But I think the education system, even in marine biology, doesn't teach you jack shit. I'm like, I get to study fish, but what happens if I want to go experience one? If I want to go see one, let's go take a trip and travel. I think I took one field trip besides the aquarium where we went um, to go to, I think it was Aztec or some other wildlife reservation center, which is like a couple hours away. But we got to walk the beach and look for shells, but the whole experience was recounting all the wildlife that we could encounter from horses to horseshoe crabs. I mean, stuff where I hear, I've talked to people that go fossil hunting and take people on travel guides, just hunting and finding fossils and stone. I'm like, show people, get them involved, but field trips should be taken to these places. And, you know, people are talking about doing virtual reality. What happened at my school was they did a virtual reality trip of a field trip to Anne Frank's house. I'm like, 
but you're not going to feel the actual gravity in the fucking place. That's what's missing about this stuff. And I'm like, we're turning into a desensitized um, civilization, I would say. And I was like, that's really going to suck because I think a lot of it happens to do with the experience. I can show you a film or put you in a simulator of you fighting a shark. That is not going to do exactly what actually fighting a shark would do to you. I mean, if I put you in the water and you come across a shark, you're going to remember this forever. You're also going to have to figure out how to flush your wetsuit because you just definitely pissed in it. Um, <laughs> and I'm just saying, you're going to have an experience that you're going to tell everybody. And I think that's what's important. Like when you're interviewing people, you get to talk to people that are having these amazing experiences you've never had before. So you're living through their eyes. I think that's why documentaries are pretty popular is because people want to see through another person's perspective. And I'm like, Let's highlight more of those things. I think that's important. I think that's awesome of what you're doing with that too. But I think one thing you should try and do is maybe you should go on a dive with somebody that you have as a guest and just recount like the after, do like the before the dive and then after the dive where you're sitting having a beer and getting that whole like, this day was fucking insane. Like log it. Like our kids, like the only good part I see about technology besides connecting us is the fact that there's going to be a fucking log of everything we've really ever done. So um, it's kind of similar to what the Mormons do. What the Mormons do, they're not into technology, but they keep a journal of everything. So every single day they're writing down what they did in a journal. So like a guy that I met, Steve Cantwell, he's a famous comedian. He was on here and he was talking about, and um, before he got to his insane drug trip, was the fact that like he has a journal from all of his ancestors of everything from like kidnap it or whatever attacking the indians all goes that far back it's all a fucking log like how we used to keep journals as kids you get to read like that's he can look at that and see his great grandparents like it's same thing with us they're our kids whoever is out there future generations are going to look at it and they're going to be like holy shit like i did not know this guy had this experience we're missing countless of those mate when i well, when ahead. i flew out to afghanistan uh in 2008 my best friend at the time bought me like a leather bound book to do exactly that. And I did, I wrote like 10 pages a day of everything we did, whether it was just going to the cookhouse to eat or I'd met someone from a different, you know, different country or we've been in a fight or we got blown up, whatever it was. I drew little sketches. Honestly, I, I really put my heart and soul into it thinking that my kids or my grandkids or my great grandkids or even in a hundred years time, you know, my great, great, great grandkids, We'll get to see it. Do you know where that went? My ex-wife put it in the bin. What the fuck? Mate, I'm devastated. Out of all the things she could have done, that was one thing she shouldn't have done. It broke I, my heart when I found that out. I would love if every day that we experienced, every person had a printout of what exactly occurred on that day, like in a journal form. And I would love to see the people's pages that would be ridiculously long. And how many people's pages would be so short because all it said was wake up, breakfast, work, home, shit, sleep. And just a repeat, just the shortest. Like when I when I leave this earth, I would like a book that is pretty fucking thick of pages and pages every single day because you don't want to be stuck doing the same routine over and over and over again. Once you wake up from that, you're realizing, whoa, I only have like this many pages and they all only have like a paragraph on each page. There's still all this empty space where you didn't do anything. It's like, I don't, I think that's the worst thing in the world. Like if you're not going to travel, if you're not going to go places, if you're not going to experience things, I mean, I'd love to come across a shark. I definitely think that if I was going to take my chances with a shark or a bear, I'd fight a fucking bear because I don't feel like fighting something that I can't see that well. Like it's just attacking me underwater. You just hearing bubbles going blue like fucking drowning i'm like oh jim's gone everybody jim's jim's jim just got sucked up by a dinosaur yeah who is what was that film that um was it leonardo caprio was in and he fought a bear and it like gassed him across the, the revenant chest. that's yeah. the one that woke me up to oh a bear could literally fuck you up all right th so yeah. there's this long ass debate in my family between my uncle and my dad and it happened when i was like 10 years old um they were drunk at a bonfire we're camping and um there was a fight, uh, no, 
really? You think a shark is better than a bear? You think a bear is better than a shark? He goes, I wouldn't want to be killed by a bear. I wouldn't want to be killed by a shark. So my dad said, when you turn 60 years old, which is about six years away from right where we're at right now, he said he was going to take a thing of T-bones, strap around my uncle's neck and throw him out in the middle of the ocean. And then my uncle was like, all right, we'll do the same with you, but we'll toss you out in Yellowstone. And it's been a long debate versus bear versus shark. And I'm like, it's definitely fucking shark is the worst way to go. You can, there's no way you could outrun it, is there? No. Just you as you are right now, there's no way. At least with a bird, you've got a chance. You have so, one small chance if you run downhill. That's the only way you can outrun a bear. It is faster than you on flat land, but if you run downhill, its momentum is too big in the back that it will actually yeah. make it tumble forward. <laughs> yeah, yep. You just got to fucking move out of the way of that one. <laughs> yeah, just get out of the way quick. Yeah, like we snowball. I mean, Indiana Jones you. style, just run away from Mate. that boulder. I tell you what, though, I don't, I don't know whether I'd be more scared of one or the other. I know which one, I, I, and I agree with you. I'd, I'd sooner have a do with it, have a, you know, take my chance with the bird. But I don't know whether one would scare me more than the other. At least with a shark, you're going to drown quite quick. I have a really good question to ask, and it's probably going to be a hard one. Um, so if you end up stopping on it, I'll be more than happy to fill it in while you think of something. But if you could go to any time period in the world and experience the ocean there, where would it be? Because for me, I would love, and every time I think of the sea, I think of this is I would love to go back to the days when we had pirates and all those types of things, like the actual full-on Blackbeard pirates, all those types. Because I think the one thing that scares me the most, more than a shark, way more than a shark, is a fucking giant squid. And I think that's just because they can grab you and rip you in half like it's fucking nothing. Well, I'd, I'm just going to just not answer that for a second. The idea of an octopus and encountering one there's, there's that I'm aware of. There's no like um, recorded damage that they've ever done to anybody, other than the blue ringed one that's got like this really poisonous bite. But they're so inquisitive and so clever. The idea of encountering an octopus and and not an octopus, with it. not yeah. an octopus. Whereas a squid and one of them giant ones that are flipping massive and they've got that thing that spits out and yes. they've got that beak. I, I, Nah, I'm good, thanks. But There's a purported ask- race of species of squid out there that are known as giant squid that are yeah. fucking huge and used to take down boats. So- I mean, they've got like a big paddle with like suckers in that, that yes. with like teeth on the suckers and stuff. And they just crush you. An octopus can like grab onto you and like ink on you, but they're more of trying to get away. They're more of a passive version of it. But a squid just wants to fucking rip you open and then put you in its mouth. Beak you to death. Yeah, Jesus. Um when you ask that, there's two answers to the question. So we've been watching, there's a series on, um, it's on Amazon now. We watched the sort of first one on Netflix, which is called um, The Last Kingdom. It was all about the Danes coming over to the UK and fighting back in. Oh, I thought you were talking 1000. about the movie with Jackie Chan, The Last Kingdom. Have you no, ever no. seen that one? No, I haven't, no. That might be The Forbidden Kingdom. Right. But then there's a, another one that's on Amazon now called uh, Vikings. So they're all from Norway and they're coming over to that Brit, you know, Britain, medieval Britain kicking off. So maybe then, because there's a lot of exploring being done, but it's well before like Christopher Columbus came over and found different parts of the Americas and everyone went and then found like Australia and all that. So it was quite early on. So perhaps then, but when, when you said the pirate era, I don't really know when that was, as in what year it might have been, but that sounds quite good to be ocean going then because of all the, the piracy, the excitement of that, that's, you know, flailing swords around and loads of treasure everywhere. But equally, there's flipping tons of disease and not a lot of stuff to counteract it. So I'd probably say maybe 100 years ago. Just as, it? as, It's 1692, Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean. I need to Google that because I swear to God, that's got to be a good one. Hang on a second. Christopher Columbus, what day did he sail the ocean? Bro? Give me some background music while I look this up. Well, it was 1788 that they found um, Australia, but I can't think who that was. Was it um, Captain Cook? He found that in 1788 because it was their bicentennial. 
1988. In 1492. So it was around the 1492 is when Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue. So that means we'd be around. And I just think that's a good time period because if you look up like all the accounts of people saying like, oh, mermaids and all this stuff, you really realize that they've been on the, the boat so long. That they started hallucinating because they missed their wives so much. Like, holy shit, that's nuts. Like, uh, just put a bit of charcoal on your eyes, fellas, and uh, just turn over. Just look over the side a minute and pull your, pull your trousers down. <laughs> look over your shoulder. <laughs> what would your captain name be? <laughs> My captain name? It's got to be Redbeard, on it? That's a good one, but you got to have a captain longer beard Redbeard. if you're going to be Redbeard. Well, it gets it. There's two problems with having a, a longer beard. So whenever you eat anything, it gets caught in your moustache. And then your moustache gets so long that you can chew on it. Oh, and yeah. then because of, of the job that I do, I get like wasps and bees and fleas and stuff caught in my beard. And then my wife doesn't really like it when we're kissing. That's so, what uh, Captain Blackbeard did um, back in the day. What he would do is he would take the bomb fuses with gunpowder yeah. and tie them into his beard and he'd light them. No way. That's fucking see. I, yeah, if you pick a captain name, it has to be either so badass that it's it's not too scary to where you go into town and someone hears your name and everybody runs because you still want to buy shit. Um, but you also don't want it too sissy to the point where it's like, eh, you're not a fucking captain. And people are like yeah. picking on you and putting beer on your head. I'm like, I want to be Captain Shark Porn. I'd probably, well, that, that's a, quite a good one, but I'd probably go with Ginger Bollocks then. Ginger Bollocks? Cause, yeah, because uh, that, that's what lads with Ginger Air are quite well known for, for having, having Ginger Bollocks. Ginger Bollocks, I like it. Well, I think I've wasted enough of your time, Andy. I want you to, <laughs> I want you to promote your uh, YouTube channel. I want you to promote yeah. your podcast. I want you to promote everything where people can find your links and find your awesome content. Nice one. Yeah, so I started a YouTube channel uh, last year, and it's under my sort of uh, brand name, if you will. It's Andy the Northern Diver. And so is my sort of Instagram and uh, my podcast. But my podcast is called Are You a Scuba Diver? Do You Fancy a Brew? Because largely... When, when me and my friends get together after a dive, we'll go and get a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. And locally, it's, it's known as a brew. So do you fan, uh, are you a scuba diver? Fancy a brew? Question mark. So that's that's the name of them. So yeah, you can find us on YouTube or Instagram or on all good podcast apps. And I will make sure I link that in the description. And thank you so much for listening to this episode out of the blank. And what would you say to the audience before we sign off? Um, thanks for coming. That's a good one. I'd say stay away from fucking sharks. <laughs> don't watch don't watch shark porn <laughs> without a friend. <laughs>